0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. And everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about.
1: You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. As we
2: want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's all, sir, it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't
0: like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? <laughs> yeah. did it, did it again.
3: When in the SEC, Probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Look,
0: how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <My> dog. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, buddy,
4: this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast.
3: Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bretton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to,
5: you Big Tennessee Homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on?
3: Hey, doing good, Shane. We're getting a day closer here to the, some Week Two action. We got all kinds of games to discuss. Yeah.
5: But before we get into the action, I gotta know what you just crack open there, buddy. Oh, this one, uh, hell, I don't know, Mike, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've tried and and my palate just, I guess it's just not sophisticated enough. So I got about six more of these crazy looking cans to get through. (laughs) I don't want to waste them, you know, but this is called Appalachia. Uh, it's a IPA from, uh, wicked weed brewing, Uh really cool looking can. And, uh, you know not too bad first taste isn't that bad so maybe maybe i was maybe it just ain't trying hard enough mike you know i gotta stop getting the the artwork and start focusing on what's inside the can (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah pro tip that's
3: one thing man i should have mentioned that but uh, it seems like the the fancier and flashier the can is usually the beer is worse so uh, (laughs) don't get tricked by the, the by the artwork that's no disrespect to the beer companies out there but they got to get you to drink it somehow. That's that's right. Hey, well, we're going to get to some Will Muschamp here in a minute, preview the South Carolina-Florida game. But before we get to that, you know, he spoke here on Tuesday, and this was the highlight of the day. We always like to have the funniest clips up front if we can. Mm -hmm. And for anybody that missed it, I mean, I don't know how you did. We'll play the video here, but viral video from Coach Muschamp leaked. Apparently this is about two years old. And this leaked right before, or it was on Saturday before the Tennessee game. And uh, so we're going to play the video. And then here's Will Buschamp getting asked about the video. And he was none too happy about this one.
6: <laughs> it's time for Carolina football. So get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up.
4: That brief video clip that made the rounds this past weekend.
6: Ask ask that. Why would I? That? Why would I know you'd ask that? Huh? It was an outtake between me and Justin King. Okay, and if I offended anybody, I apologize. All right, but it was between me and another guy. And why in the world would I know you would ask this question?
4: Well, they said you were going to address it after the game, but I figured you weren't in the in the right mood for that. But still not in the right question. mood. But I
6: appreciate you bringing it up.
4: Yeah, and again, that, I, I, I would...
6: apologize if I offended anybody. It's between two people. It was never meant to be public. It was between two people, and somebody obviously thought they were going to be cute and put it out there, so Phil Cornbroth could ask a question. Tiger Phil strikes again.
4: No, no, my question was, do you know who put it how it got out? No, but I,
6: I'm looking forward to finding out.
4: Yeah, No. and my other question was – Did
6: you put it out, Phil? Did you get a hold of it?
4: No, sir, it was not me. But my question was, if it's somebody inside your organization who did that, how would how would you feel about
7: that person?
6: I probably couldn't say it in this press conference. I don't want to use that language again, Phil. I mean, seriously, though, why did we all know he was going to ask that? You just can't help yourself. Go ahead.
7: Well, I just want you to know that I did not release that video. Just want to be clear about that. Also, in addition to having to wear a mask. I mean,
6: my mom had to call me before the game and, and, and get on me about it, so. You know, I'm 49 years old, I think. I am
3: 49. Go ahead.
7: If mama's not happy, happy, you know you've done it. That's right.
3: All right, Shane. So, you know, he (laughs) mentions there just briefly Justin King. For anybody that doesn't know, I mean, South Carolina fans, I assume know who that is. But uh, he was a former media member. Now he works for the South Carolina Gamecocks. He's the one that does all their video work with their outstanding you know, hype videos and uniform videos and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So he's a very, very talented guy. But that's who he's talking about. You know, that was just, I guess, an inside joke, what have you, and it got out. It
5: So <laughs> <laughs> you know, It always gets out, Mike. You know, now, now Mama Champ ain't happy. <laughs> and
3: this is just one of those things, Shane, it had, you know, if South Carolina would have came out and whipped Tennessee's ass, I bet you Yeah the entire Gamecock Nation would have been saying, hell yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, yeah. But now, yes, yeah. now that they blew it, now that they kicked a field goal down seven with three minutes left in the game, we got to get this foul-mouthed son of a <laughs> bitch
5: out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny, man, because the other day my mom, she, she's like, hey, she goes, uh, I'm actually listening to your podcast today. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, like which one? <laughs> did i say any bad words (laughs) you know so oh man that's the thing brother you it always gets out you got to be careful man today i mean it's not just coach you know talking here but when that video was done unless you saw it deleted you know there's (laughs) there's there's gonna be some intern that's gonna find that and it's gonna be twitter gold and that's exactly what this clip was well, all right, buddy. Hey, uh, we
3: got a lot to cover. We didn't get to do mm-hmm. all these yesterday, just because we were waiting for all the coaches to speak. But uh, you ready to go around the league, preview some Week Two SEC games? Let's do it. Now let's go, now around, let's go, the go around the league. I'm, my my
8: daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out.
1: I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
0: Why, why don't you... Start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play
4: us. In Louisiana, hold on, a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference. Okay, thank you. All
3: right, we're gonna start in Athens. That's the big game of the week.
1: Oh, no. Sick of.
3: Georgia and Auburn, and hell, Shane, I even got some notes here before we get going. Of course, Georgia won last year 21-14 to 14 at Auburn. Georgia's won 8 of the last 10 and 15 of the last 19. So Georgia's dominated this thing. How about this stat, Shane? This is the first time this series has been played outside the month of November since 1936. So almost 100 years here we're talking. And uh, here's another incredible stat. Auburn actually has a winning record. In Athens. So they're 18-15 and all-time in Athens. College game day is going to be down there. So there's a ton of history going into this matchup. But, you know, obviously the big story there in Athens, what's going to be going down with the quarterback position? Is it going to be Stetson? Is JT Daniels, now that he's cleared, is he good to go? I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't think uh, they're, that necessarily means they're just going to throw him into the lineup. We'll see. But if you had to guess right now, of course, Kirby talks about it here, about half his press conference. Who are you going to go with with your starting quarterback if you're Georgia? Are you going to go Stetson, the guy that rallied us, or are you going JT Daniels, you
5: throwing him to the Wolves? No, I think you, you play a hot hand, and right now Stetson's that hot hand. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me to see him come out. And, uh, I mean, it's extremely short leash. And even if he is successful, I still think we're going to see JT at some point because – I mean, at the, I mean, that's that's the guy. at the At the end of the day, that's exactly who Kirby wants out there. He's just, he's not going to throw him out there fresh off this uh, this rehab. So let me ask you this, Shane, because last year,
3: now obviously I said, I just said it was twenty one fourteen was the final score, but Georgia really dominated this thing, if you remember, and uh, the way I remember it playing out was Auburn kind of got hot late in the game. And I think they scored back to back touchdowns, but I think the final one came, you know, nearly at the very end of the game, if I recall. So it wasn't really that close, but again, that was a true freshman, Bo Nix. Now he's a little bit more seasoned. He looked, you know, I thought he looked a little shaky in the first half against Kentucky. He looked a lot better mm-hmm. in the second half. Yeah. He's got 218 passes without an interception. That's second best in the nation. So. I don't know, how many points do you think um, Auburn can score? Well, you know, I'm not asking for a, you know, a straight score prediction, I guess, but <laughs> do you have confidence now that we've seen a little bit more of Bo Nix in his sophomore season, we've seen these receivers, you know, are they going to have a little bit more success against this Georgia defense, or do you think it's going to be more of the same? Well, they don't call him Bo efficiency for
5: nothing, Mike, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, I like that, man. I, I, I Trust me. I, But there's a lot of pressure on that. You ever find yourself watching a game and they're like, oh, man, he's went 18 passes without a, a drop, you know? <laughs> and you're just like – and then all of a sudden, they're not doing those 30-yard bombs anymore. They're doing little five-yard dunks <laughs> to the running back because they're trying to salvage their numbers. So I always hate that. Or what's even worse is the kicker. It's like this guy hasn't missed a kick within the 40-yard line in forever, you know? And it's just like, oh, dude, he's so going wide left on this. So, man, first off, let's let's talk about this game. This is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, fun fact, Mike, i us just do a little game here. When do you think the first game was uh, between Auburn and Georgia? 1898. Ooh, not bad. 1892. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was just I was just looking up. I, I love looking up some of these and how they started and things like that. And, you know, a couple of fun facts. You know, one of the uh, uh, the late Pat Dye. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he played for the U- University of Georgia. He was a lettered uh, offensive lineman mm-hmm. and uh, ended up coaching for Auburn. And do you know uh, the most famous? Auburn player to, to wind up coaching for Georgia.
3: Hmm.
5: Um, no, I can't think of it. It's Dooley.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I was just reading something and and Pat says it's a unique thing. It's like playing against your brother. I don't think anybody who plays in that game can ever forget it. It just doesn't matter much where it's played or somebody's record is it's, it's so it's, it's always intense. It's always tough. And at the same time, it's family because these guys, let's face it, are less than three hours away. So there's a lot of divided – a lot of people talk about Alabama and Auburn, but there's a lot of – the house is divided from Auburn and Georgia fans. Just the fact that they, they're so close in proximity. So Mm -hmm. uh, this is a huge game and and it's, and it doesn't carry the weight like it should. This, this this does, even though Georgia has owned it the last three years, they came down within a touchdown last year. Uh, You know, if you look at the series dating all the way back, you know, it's pretty split. It's a 50, 50 thing, you know? So Um, this, I, I think this is going to be the closest year yet. I mean, in a long time. So, Mm uh, even Vegas is, uh, is agreeing with us there. So, but back to your thoughts on Bo, I, I I think, um, what was your question on Bo, by the way,
3: just if you'll have more success in his second season, but I mean, I know Georgia's defense is still elite,
5: but I got you. you And
3: he just didn't have a ton of success till basically the end, the end of the game.
5: Yeah. I, I, back with Bo, I, I think that he is going to have more success, and I think it's more to do with the new playbook. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, him and Chad are, are still figuring each other out, and they can't they can't wait any longer because now you've got Georgia, which is going to be the toughest defense that they're probably going to face this year. So uh, I, I think last week the fact that you saw that progression through the game is is as an Auburn fan you know, it's got to gotta make you feel good going into this game against Georgia. Now, let me ask you about this, though, Shane, because I think there's,
3: you know, a couple narratives going into this one. Obviously, Georgia, while they, you know, the final score was pretty lopsided. They struggled mightily in the SEC. I think they were really bailed out the fact that LSU lost because otherwise this Georgia struggling against Arkansas would have been a bigger storyline. Mm-hmm. But here you got... You know, it already seems like the pressure is a little bit mounting. You know, this is something that we've been saying all off season, and Georgia fans have been, you know, all over us. Because what happens if this is the third year in a row where Kirby's got a different offensive coordinator and he changed it two years ago to get better, they got significantly worse, Mm-hmm. not saying that Todd Munkin is just some bust based on one game. That's ridiculous. But, hell, we got off to such a bad start. There's been a lot better coaches that have failed miserably. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm not saying that it's going to be total disaster. But if it is, I mean, how much pressure is on Kirby? The man, I've said it time and time again, I think he's the best recruiter in the nation. Yeah. And they got worked last year in the SEC championship game. He can't beat Nick Saban. I mean, how many years are we going to be beating our head against the wall, trying to get a damn offense going down here? And then on the flip side, Auburn, very, very dangerous team. You know, they were the popular upset pick last week. What'd they do? They just went out there and took care of business, made Kentucky look like a pretender. And now, all of a sudden, if Auburn goes in here and beats Georgia, I mean, I think all the pressure's on Georgia to win this game. I don't think there's any pressure on Auburn. And if they come in here and they beat them, I think you're going to see Auburn as a top-five team, and I think that's that's going to be a legitimate
5: ranking. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. And I think there is more pressure on Georgia. And I just – because, you you like you said, you, you ask yourself, if not now, then when – Uh, you know you you can't turn off the Mark Rick comparisons right and now and now you're saying okay uh, you know Mark could recruit Kirby can recruit but we like Kirby because he was going to be able to develop these players and, and make them national champs make them SEC champs and and you know, I get it. The first couple of years, you, you've got that leash. Well, I'm building something here. But when you're popping out number one, number two recruiting classes, and you're still sitting there having a hard time beating teams like Alabama and LSU, uh, you know, then the fans are going to get get restless, and and rightfully so because they've already showed you that that just about any that that uh, any coach can get the talent to Georgia, but can they make that talent good enough to compete for the, the upper tier teams of the sec. So I am I'm, I'm not panicking yet. I know I said all that I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, week one. I, I think we were, I think that was a, a tune up game. I think, I think a lot of these players were overlooking Arkansas. Um, you know, they, they just, they realized how, ill-prepared they were and I think they'll be focused and I think this will be a better ball game but if they if they drop this one to Auburn yeah there's going to be some uh there's going to be some re- rowdy and restless f- fans down there in Athens man all right well let's kick it over to Kirby Smart talking
3: about uh, what he's seen already Chad Morris his impact on this Auburn offense uh, he spiels here for about a while on his quarterback situation Mathis Stetson, JT Daniels, how cleared is he? And then uh, finally on Bo Nix and the progression he's seen in his game going into his second year.
0: And, uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for their coordinators, Coach Steele, uh, Chad, um, both really good. You know, I think what Chad's done for their offense is uh, really shows on tape um, the ability to use their skill and get their skill players the ball um, from different locations. Uh, You can see it showing up already. Um, I know you guys will want to ask the quarterback question and you'll want to ask it all week. All I can tell you is we're going to continue to work with all the guys we've got to put the best guy in there and give us the best opportunity to, uh, to win the football games. Um, DeWan did not play as, as bad as it seemed to some and thought he did some good things watching the tape. And he had some unfortunate uh, uh, bad breaks that happened while he was in at quarterback. Um, JT will be cleared um, but I don't know how much that changes the picture in terms of, of uh, reps and development. We'll be looking at everybody across the board. Um, JT's got to be able to show us that he can function uh, efficiently and, uh, and do it with, a, with his knee, um, being able to do it. We always thought he would be cleared by this time anyway, but uh, those guys will all compete as well as Carson will too and continue to grow at the quarterback
4: position. Hey, Coach. Uh, yeah, and you're right. I got a quarterback question right off the bat. Uh, before, as far as testing performance, so kind of kind of what stood out the most. It looked like he did some of his better work when working against pressure. And one thing on JT, if you don't mind, and I say he's going to get it clear, what were the hurdles Ron Corson was looking for him to overcome?
0: Well, Ron would have to explain that in depth. He are looking for percentage, strength index, biodex, testing, girth, his knee being closer to the same size as the other one. They do a, a single leg hop test. They measure his ability to move around on that knee compared to his other knee, and they've been looking for certain barometers uh, to be able to hit that uh, that number, and uh, he was able to do that. So that's that's very fortunate for him, but he's still got to be able to go out there and prove to us that he can do it uh, in the game-like situations, in the practice-like situations, and um, that's not easy to do during the week at times. But-
1: yeah, Coach uh, Onwuan, uh, he took a big hit on the sideline uh, in the side of the head, and I saw you talk to him when you come over, tell him that he needed to get down. I just wonder, you know, certainly with his situation, did 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 that. Ding him a little bit, you know, because uh, uh, he seemed like to not play quite as well after that. No,
0: actually, it was the opposite. He was fired up. He was pumped. He uh, he loves the game. He loves the competitive nature. And he, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't believe in getting down. He likes contact. And uh, I I thought that was one of the highlights that he took that hit and that he kept going. You know, I think. What got me a little bit was the awareness the next time, and he he just he missed the the yard marker the next time on a third down where he had an opportunity to scramble for it and get the third down. He never saw, and that that happens with young quarterback. I remember a big game where Jake Fromm took off running on the third down. And he slid before the the first down on the third down, and I was so upset with him. But a lot of guys don't have the awareness to know exactly where that is on the sideline, and he just missed it. It had nothing to do with the hit that he took earlier. As a matter of fact, he was. He was pumped about the hit. He's been waiting two years to get hit, so he felt relieved.
1: Yeah, Bo Nix coach has the second longest active streak in the country behind Trevor without throwing a pick. Is that a product of a lot of dink and dunks, or you see him the ability to kind of sling all over the field?
0: No, he's got a vertical passing game now. He's got a great arm. Uh, he makes really good decisions. I mean, I think the, the, the not the dink and dunk. It's the decision-making he has that gives him the opportunity to, to not throw picks. Smart quarterbacks avoid picks because they don't throw into situations that are adverse. And uh, he's got a really good set of receivers. When you talk about experience in an SEC, with the guys they've got at wideout, I mean, those guys seem like they've been playing there forever. Um, You know, Seth's one of the best there is. Eli Stowe's been there forever, and we know how fast Schwartz is. They've got a lot of good wideouts uh, in terms of their skill set on offense. So he's got guys to protect him around it. And, you know, he's a coach's son that's been around the game his whole life. He knows good decisions, and he's a really good athlete. People don't understand how good a runner he actually is.
6: Uh, yeah, hey, Kirby. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, the defense, after, like, you know, giving, it, <clears throat> giving it a second look, that the defense didn't do as well as you, um, you initially thought in what areas, are or you, ways are you talking about
1: as regards to the defense?
0: Good question. You know, the biggest thing is we had some mental bust that they didn't expose us on, you know, things that – if you're sitting there watching, you're going, okay, we didn't do that right. We didn't handle that well. And someone's going to maybe with better players, will be able to expose us. Um, mistakes that were made, communication errors, one side's playing one thing and other side's playing another. We're not on the same page. I mean, typically they're early in the season mistakes and they're one play away from being a big play, which we saw the explosive play that, that happened. Um, certainly could have been more of those if guys aren't on the same page and, Um, It's easy to highlight that, and the great thing about this defense is they'll listen to you because we we tell them. We tell them honestly. We say, hey, this guy's a really good player. This guy's not a good player. When you're honest with players and you go in and tell them, hey, this is not right and this is right, this is doing it wrong and this is doing it right, they listen to you. and you know I know a lot of people think because of the the pick six and the safety that all was great. There was a lot uh, missed there and a lot of opportunities where we ended up one-on-one that if one guy breaks a tackle, it's a touchdown, um, and we need two people there. We need three people there.
3: All right, Shane, so, you know, based on these comments, it's incredibly hard to read what they're going to do here at the quarterback position. JT Daniels, I think, is clearly going to make an appearance in this game. But I kind of lean towards you, everyone – not everyone, but most people I'm seeing, they think it's just going to be JT Daniels immediately. Mm -hmm. I think you got to go with Stetson just because, you know, he showed you that he can give you a spark. He's not going to kill you. And I I would not even be surprised. I think we're going to see Mathis in this game, too, as more, you know, probably not as a passer, but, you know, just as Mm -hmm. like a change of pace, wildcat type quarterback for a a little bit.
5: Probably not a ton, but I think they'll mix it up here. What, What do you think about that? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see him come in. I mean, something like the second half. Uh, right after halftime, you know, just mix it up and let him run a series or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think the I think the the quarterback position is going to be a kind of a revolving door this week, and uh, I think Kirby's just going to play the hot hand. So whoever's out there and doing it, they're going. He's going to let keep doing it. Now, if one of them aren't, then he's definitely going to mix it up. Yeah, and they're going to get this settled pretty quick because they got
3: Tennessee the following week, Alabama the mm-hmm. next. So yeah, there's there's no time to mess around here. No, not at all. All right, let's kick it down to the Plains.
7: Get ready, tumors corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45.
3: Where Gus Malzahn met with the media on Tuesday, and uh, he talked about, you know, what the possibility of Georgia playing JT Daniels kind of does for uh, Auburn's offense or defense and having to adjust to that. I thought this was funny. He's talking about Georgia's Rudd, defense being the best in the nation or the, the best that they faced last year and we'll get to it in a second but Kirby kind of took issue with that on uh, the Auburn rushing attack and how that looked week one and I thought this was pretty interesting too he talked about the home field advantage road teams in the SEC last week Shane were five and two Gus Melzon talks about all this and then we'll discuss it on the other side
5: and now that JT
2: Daniels is cleared to play I'm wondering how hard it scout
8: out and really with the new concept, uh, I realize there is tape on them, but how hard is that? To- well, I mean, in a way, it's like a, another first game preparation. You just got to be prepared for, you know, to be able to adjust, and, you know, last week I thought our, our defense adjusted well in the second half, and so, you know, if they end up playing him, it could be a little bit of, uh, you know, a period of time just uh, to adjust on, on what their plan is. challenges that Yeah of course you know last year we played them late in the season I don't think they'd given up a rushing touchdown the whole year and uh, you know we had one on a, on a quarterback run and uh, they got just about everybody back so you know you're looking at not just you know one of the best rushing defense if not the best rushing defense uh, in the country but one of the best overall defenses and uh, you know after last year I felt like that was that they were the best defense we played all year after playing them and they got the majority of the guys back. They make you earn it. And that's, that's the key. They make you earn it. They mix things up. Um, you know, they check when you check and, uh, they're very sound, uh, unit.
7: Hey guys,
3: question about the run game. A lot of different ideas and concepts you guys use against Kentucky. I, what kinds of, is he, is he still kind of, uh, experimenting a little bit or this? Are you going to start winding down on some specific concepts you're going to try against Georgia?
8: You, you know, um, You know, Chad's got, uh, you know, the playbook. I mean, he can do a lot of different things in the run game. And, you know, so you'll see us each week. Um, You know, I really feel like we'll improve in the run game. But, you know, having a lot of different things that you can do, I think, is really good. And I think that, uh, you know, the more that we can settle in on five linemen, like we talked about Sunday, that that gelling up front will also help, um, you know, as far as the run game goes.
2: Hey, Gus, I know you talked on, about the secondary moments ago, but Georgia, uh, Georgia secondary, Georgia led the nation last year in fewest yards per reception, and I know they were effective against Auburn. I think Anthony had less than seven yards a catch. What makes Georgia so good in that category, and how important is it for Auburn to improve that category in this year's meet?
8: Yeah, yeah uh, you know, first of all, they got really good players, and then they're very well coached, so it's a combination of that. Um, and like I said, they do a good job mixing things up, but they also do a good job of keeping things in front of them. I mean, it's, it's tough to get explosive plays, and, of course, that'll be a key, you know, uh, as far as you ask the question, you know, uh, this one. You know, the, the, you're going to have to have some explosive plays in the passing game uh, to be able to score points, and, you know, so I think that's important.
3: Yeah,
0: so I think road teams were 5-2 and two on Saturday. Can you talk about how the limited capacity is kind of, taking away a little bit of the home field advantage and how that might work in your favor Saturday when you go between the hedges?
8: Yeah you know it's a unique year I mean there's no doubt about that and I think everybody's learning as they go but I do expect it to be loud Uh, you know I do expect it to to be loud over there and we'll have to to be able to adjust to that so uh, you know like I said each week I think uh, teams will learn this will be our first road game you know we were able to have a home game and I thought thought our our crowd did a really good job with our students like I talked about after the game so we expect it to be loud and uh we'll 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 just learn after after this first road game.
0: Hey Gus you kind of alluded to it earlier with the success Bo had against Georgia last year what did you see out of him with his legs in that first game and how important do you think that'll be against a good run defense?
8: Yeah yeah I, I think uh you know, you got to have everything available against a really good defense, whether it's run, pass, or, or whatever. And uh, Bo did some really good things last year. I mean, you know, it was a tough, tough loss. You know, it was we were down by seven and we got the ball down there on the 19-yard line and we completed one, and it was a tough overturn that I think could have made a difference in the game. But I thought Bo did a really good job of bringing us back. And uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, I felt like we we really had a chance with his leadership. So he's got a year under his belt. I think uh, that'll help him, you know, with this game, uh, playing him, you know, one other time before.
9: Hey, Gus. um, Obviously, you guys had wins against Georgia in Auburn in 2017, 2013. But uh, the program's had a hard time winning in Athens recently. Uh, Any thoughts about why that might be? Um, And do you think reduced attendance might help a little bit in that regard?
8: You know, I think uh, first of all, it's one of the toughest places to play uh, in, in the league. Okay, that's, that's just the facts of the matter. You got to play good football to have a chance to win, and then if it's a close game, you got to find a way to make those plays to win. So, and like I said earlier, I mean, we'll see about the crowd, but we do expect it to be loud anyway. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll know more after the game about uh, you know as far as if it's the same or not.
3: All right, Shane, so it's true road teams in the SEC were 5-2 and two last week. Now, maybe you look at that and say, well, I guess these limited crowds, maybe there's not much of a whole field advantage anymore. But mm-hmm. I kind of look at it like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. I mean, some of the better teams in the league were on the road. So mm-hmm. I think that has a little bit more to do with that 5-2 and two record because the only – You know, real big upset I thought of a home team was Mississippi State being LSU. Right. But I think there's a little something to that to where it's just not going to be as rowdy as it has been. And I don't think it's possible to do that. And and the biggest issue, and this is something that we kind of talked about before the season started, but once LSU, you know, kind of got in a hole there, I think they were just – they were lacking that energy that the tiger stadium crowd gives them. So not saying that's going to happen to Georgia, but I think it's going to happen to somebody this week where, you know, a home team gets down in a hole and there's just not that crowd to breathe life into them.
5: Could you see that happening? Yeah, no, I, I I think it's a very, I don't know, because there was times during some of these games, you could, you could definitely tell there was a little bit of a home field advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I've listened to several of the commentators make, you know, make the joke like you can't tell no, this place ain't packed, you know? (laughs) So I don't know if that's true or not because I wasn't there, but I just, I I still think that they could be influential if, if, if they want now, whether that's true or not, I, I, I don't think so, man, because the fact of the matter is there's a huge difference between 20,000 people yelling at you and a hundred thousand people yelling at you. I think there could have been an opportunity if this thing were Held in Death Valley, and that thing was packed. There's, there's a chance that, you know, you could have rattled. So I, I, I think that I think the noise is a huge thing. Uh, I think the fans being there is is a is a huge disadvantage, or not a disadvantage, but it's not near as much as an advantage for the home teams as it has been in the past. The, no doubt about it. All right, final thing on this game, Shane. This was
3: just hilarious, but uh, uh, Kirby. He met with the media here briefly. I mean, he's already done it twice. They're working overtime down there in Athens. But on Tuesday <laughs> evening, he was asked about Gus Malzahn. One of those comments we just played for you. When Gus said, "You know, this is the best defense we faced, and the, this is going to be the best team we face." Kirby was asked about it, and my goodness, he had a <laughs> he had a great response here. Kirby, today,
9: Gus said that y'all had probably the most talented overall team in the league. Uh, do you think that's accurate and how do you think uh, that's assessed across the league when y'all look at other programs? I think if you ask somebody the week of the game, the team they're playing will have the most talent in the league. And then next week that team will have the most talent. And then the next week that team will have the most talent and that's called coach speak. So thanks Gus. He has the most talent in the SEC. And
3: so, all right, you know, it's a day of rivalry when you can't even agree on you know who's got <laughs> talent and who doesn't and they're basically calling each other liars and all this, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying, when Georgia's on your schedule, even if you got Alabama on your schedule, I don't think it's uh, that bold of a statement to say, you know, that they got a hell of a roster and there's no one going to be more talented than this group. Until next week.
5: (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, I hate coach speak. You know, but I tell you, man, we've got a lot of coaches in the SEC that are a little bit more transparent than ones we've had in the past, so I really like that too, so Mm – uh uh now obviously Gus Malzahn is not that one you know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna coach speak you to death so so I, I I get it but let's face it Georgia is one of the best defenses that they're gonna face and uh I, I think uh I think Auburn's you know sneaky good too they're both one and oh I mean this is a top what top seven rivalry or we're gonna have is it seven is that what Auburn is seventh uh,
3: yeah, they're either seven or nine. I can't remember. It's one or the other. Okay. It's a game, game day, right? It is. Yeah. They, they, fi- mean, they finally uh, left the ACC.
5: Hell yeah. I mean, that's still going to be, I, I think, I think we're going to get the best out of both these teams come Saturday. Uh, no doubt about it. This is a, this is one they've had circled for a while and, uh, nothing against Arkansas. You know nothing against Kentucky. Kentucky was a great matchup. I'm sure they weren't overlooking them either. But uh, this is uh, this is the this is a big rivalry for a reason, and this is uh, one of the earliest rivalries that we're going to get to see. So I- I'm pumped up for it, Mike. Hey, Shay. Well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the
3: online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a hundred percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars. That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC that's T H A T S E C they will match your initial deposit up to $1000 so you could potentially start with $2000 to gamble on Shane immediately mm. and we mm. got this college football firing up we're going to get into some some picks here but man I'm just fired up that college football is finally here and the only thing that makes football better in my opinion is Drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is thatSEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code thatSEC. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down to Rocky Top. The Tennessee and Missouri are going to face off this weekend and – Missouri, believe it or not, I mean, I'm sure you know, this leads the, the series 5-3. to three, But Tennessee's yeah. won three of the last five, including last season when they beat Missouri 24-20. to 20. But I don't know, did you see it uh, shade somewhat the Mizzou cast, a, a podcast I've actually been on before? But they're trolling people all all season. You know, there's so many fans that say Missouri doesn't belong in the SEC. Mm -hmm. so they're finding reasons why you know the rest of the teams don't belong and they (laughs) tweeted tennessee don't belong and my god vol nation got on them (laughs) 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 they don't know they're getting trolled but hey, hey i like it man we're trying to trying to make this into a rivalry here because i don't think missouri's got a ton of respect for tennessee and certainly tennessee fans don't have a ton of respect for missouri and hey that's what you need to have a have a
5: rivalry here you know what yeah, that was a that was a tough start with when Mizzou first came over because there was a couple of games I thought we were gonna win, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just found out we just needed to fire a coach and send him over there as an offensive coordinator <laughs> to backdoor <laughs> this thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I trust me. There's that's one of those games, Mizzou lately. I mean, because I was scarred for five years when they came over. I was just like, man. We can't beat these guys for some reason, and and now going into them, you know, it, there's still been some great ball games, and you got that thing in the pit of your stomach, like, oh God, we're going to lose this thing. So uh, this is a good ball game. Don't sleep on this one. So uh, and I'm glad. I will tell you this. One thing I hate about Mizzou, other than their rock garden they got over there, is uh, the camera angle. Yeah. You ever notice that? I just, mm-hmm. it drives me nuts watching a game at, at Missouri. I don't, I don't know what, what they're doing. It's just like, it's almost like I'm sitting on the, I get it. It's, I don't know. I think if, it has to do never, with the placement of just the stadium and where they got to put the camera. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I think that's it. So, but anyway, other than that, man, uh, this is still going to be a hell of a game. And, and yeah, I, what are your just thoughts on, just, over- you know, the matchup with, you know,
3: Tennessee while they won, and we praised them for you know coming away with a win week 1 when they didn't play that well and then on the flip side you know everyone thought Missouri was just going to get steamrolled and it's not like they were you know threatening Alabama at any point but i thought they showed enough to where you know they they showed up and played tough they just got beat by a much better team at this point point. Yeah. and then in the second half you know i believe the score was 28 to 3 at halftime when when the score is 28 to 3 it's pretty easy to just pack it in and say, well, we'll get them next week. And that's not what Missouri did. They basically played Alabama even for the second half, so they didn't give up. They're not not—they're fighting hard for Coach Drinkowitz, and uh, he's waiting for that. Uh, obviously, he's only been there one game, but waiting for a marquee win and beating a ranked Tennessee team, I mean, that's got to be all the motivation in the world for the Tigers. And I think this oh, is yeah. one Tennessee's, you know, they've got to be careful. If they play like they did
5: last week, I think they can get beat in this game. Well, see that's what I, I think. This comes down to coaching, Mike. I, I think both teams were flawed, obviously, in week one, and who makes the adjustments? It's easy when you you're kind of practicing against you. I mean, Tennessee didn't really have a scrimmage; they they didn't have that time to just kind of sit back and, and judge how good their offense or defense is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of individual drills. It sounded like. You know they got to to showcase that against South Carolina, and obviously some flaws. There were some mistakes, big mistakes made uh, on both sides of the ball, and same thing with Mizzou. But I think Mizzou came in a little more prepared than Tennessee did. So, but I that's why I'm saying this week too, the adjustments that you make during this week are crucial. Uh, yeah, I, and and whoever, you know, get rights, those wrongs coming into this game that they're going to come out victorious. I Mm -hmm. guarantee it. It's, it's, it's coming down to coaching Mike this week. Mm -hmm.
3: All right. Well, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt who previewed this matchup. And remember we were, you asked me about Sean Schamberger and, you know, he missed the opener that really killed him with shy Smith just went wild. So, he talks about Schamburger and, and Darrell Middleton, who uh, Middleton has tweeted he's going to play. So we'll see. Uh, Tennessee's issues on third down. They only converted one third down last week. It's incredibly hard to win a football game when you only convert one third down. Uh, and that Deon- was a
5: miracle pass, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it was, seriously, it was a top three uh, sports center play. That's the only third down conversion we had. <laughs> on
3: DeAndre Johnson, he won SEC defensive lineman of the week. He had an outstanding game. Uh, on Paxton Brooks, he uh, Pruitt tried to make a little joke here. It didn't, it didn't go too well for him, and then finally on Jeremy Banks, who you know we didn't even know if he was going to be on the team a couple months ago, and he played lights out, but maybe with a little bit too much emotion out out there on the field.
6: Jeremy, uh, why were uh, Middleton
0: and,
9: and Shamburger unavailable on Saturday?
2: Well, we talked about uh, talked about last week about uh, from a. Uh, Standpoint of COVID and everything that's going on, I just, I I really just don't think it's fair to uh, the players to, you know, probably put out exactly why they're not there. Uh, Hopefully, uh, if everything works out, we can get these guys back very soon.
6: Was
1: either
2: one a player discipline scenario or no? No, it's not. It's not player discipline.
1: When you uh, were able to kind of relook at the game, what were some things that had jumped out to you that
2: maybe you didn't realize live? Well, I didn't realize how poor we were on third down offensively at the time. Um, you know, there was probably three offensive possessions that we had a chance to kind of maybe end the game uh, or put the game a little bit, uh, put some distance between us and them. Uh, that we didn't do uh, when we had good field position. So, um, you know, we've got to do a better job of closing out, you know. Defensively, we've got to get more turnovers. You know, we got one turnover in the game. The ball was on the ground with a minute uh, before the half there. uh, We had a chance to recover a fumble, uh, which could have been huge, and we didn't. Uh, Got to be able to play the ball in the back end uh, with a secondary and get some interceptions out of those guys.
5: Johnson was the SEC lineman of the week. He had a good performance. He had six tackles, two, two point and a half sacks. What do you can say about your lineman, especially you know having uh, DeAndre Johnson, you know the SEC lineman of the week?
2: Well, I think DeAndre's had a really good camp. You know, he's one of the guys that has not missed a practice. Uh, he's been here every every day, uh, and it and it showed. Uh, you know, he's <clears throat> he's practiced well. Uh, you know, every day, uh, he's a guy that's been in our system for three years. Um, has some maturity about him. Uh, has, wor- has really worked hard uh, this off season, um, and you know he's got to he's got to do it week in and week out. We need him to do that. Well, you know, when Paxton signed here, he weighed like he was like six five, one fifty seven. He's worked really hard in the weight room. I think he's about one ninety five now. I would have liked to have seen him when, on that bad snap to run over two or three folks and get us a first down. Uh, but you know, he's he's kicked the ball well, uh, and we need him to continue to do that. I was trying to make a joke there. They didn't none of y'all think that was too funny? I see, Coach. I know had a couple of penalties that you'd like to have back. But taking that away, what what did you see out of him and how would you assess how he played in his first game back? Well, you know, getting penalties is part of how you play. You know, so uh, I've coached a lot of really good players, um, and Jeremy has a chance to be a really good player. But he's not going to be a really good player unless he plays penalty free. You know, you can play aggressive. You can play physical. Uh, but you can do it in between the whistles, uh, and it goes back to decision-making. Uh, and I'm sure when the game started, Jeremy didn't walk out there and say, man, I want to get two penalties, okay? But he did, and that can't happen. Uh, and, but, you know, for the first game playing there, I thought him and Quavarius Krauts both done some things that were uh, really good. We, we got messed up a couple of times there in coverage. But you got to think about both of these guys. Uh Q played outside linebacker all last year because we thought it was the best fit for our team. Uh, we moved him inside for spring ball, and, uh, you know, these guys, um, they ain't played in a lot of live reps. So for the first time playing, there was some good and there's probably some bad for both of them, uh, but there are two guys that we feel like that kind of play the same position, uh, and, and we have packages to where We can get them, you know, those two guys and Henry on the field at the same time. We just didn't think we were ready for that right now. So, uh, those guys have a lot of work to do this week. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of improvement out of both of those guys, uh, especially after having a live contest.
3: All right, Shane. So, Pruitt, you know, not totally satisfied with his group. You know, it's kind of the same thing that I've been saying. They didn't play that well, but you play good enough to win because you recruit hard and you coach good. and you know, Jeremy Banks, you know, he flashed. He wasn't the best player on defense, but he seemed kind of like the most violent in a good way. You know, you need that edge on defense. That's what it. That's what these Nick Saban, Kirby Smart defenses do, and obviously Jeremy Pruitt from the same tree here. So, uh, I don't know, thoughts on what uh, Coach Pruitt had to say here?
5: Yeah, I mean, every team's got a handful of these guys, right, that just – they just—they're violent. They want—they want to just play past the whistle sometimes, and he got popped with it. Yeah, uh, he got—I think he got a personal foul outside. He got uh, a couple, I think. He got—I think he yeah, got two. I mean, so I mean, you definitely want to rein that back in. But you know, I think about other teams like uh, like Kelvin Joseph, uh, another one. He's—they're just that's—that's that's their DNA. They're just they they get so wrapped up into these games that they just can't turn it off sometimes. So, uh, but that kind of energy can help motivate a team that, I mean, you know, it, it can make the other players say, man, I'm not giving my all, you know, so uh, I kind of like it, but you, you know, I don't like 15 yard penalties though, Mike, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, cause some of the, sometimes those can really hurt you. So, uh, but no, I, I think, I, th- I think it's okay. All right, now let's flip it to the other side. Let's
3: jump all down to Columbia, Missouri. MIZ! C-L-U. You know, keep in mind, this is one thing I kind of thought of this week. Obviously, Missouri played Alabama last week. Now they're playing Tennessee. And I think when Coach Drinkowitz looked at that on the schedule, he probably, in the back of his mind, liked it because Alabama and Tennessee running the same defense – you know, a lot most of the coaches there at Tennessee, like Coach Ansley, obviously Coach Pruitt, Coach Niedermeyer, a lot of these guys on Tennessee staff, they coached under Saban. So, I mean, that's where they learned the system and Tennessee's roster, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a roster on defense, you know, damn near identical to Alabama. So Yeah. There's a little bit of an advantage there, I think, with Missouri, Coach Drinkowitz, his new quarterback, Sean Robinson, and breaking down this defense, it's it's one thing to go from the Mike Leach offense to the Georgia offense, you know, it's like night and day different. But here we got two consecutive SEC opponents, basically the same defense. I think that also plays to the advantage of Missouri this weekend. So, what are your thoughts on that?
5: Hmm. What are you? Are you trying to hurt my feelings here, Mike? You making me <laughs> try to make me nervous? Getting their beer? beers? That what you're trying to do? <laughs> Jeez, I'm not overlooking Mizzou. Okay, I get it. They. <laughs> <laughs> no there's a what's the what's the spread on this thing right now has it changed any yeah so actually every line in the sec is, has shifted but uh this one
3: opened tennessee was favored by 13 and a half yeah yeah and now it's down to 11 and a half no I'm not, it was it was nine at one point but i guess it's shifted back to tennessee so still tennessee's okay. favored, but not by as many they're favored by 11 and a half
5: yeah, just uh, you just can't overlook anybody, man. I mean, there the, there should be absolutely no trap games in two thousand twenty. Mike, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you anybody thinks that there's a trap game, they should turn on that Mississippi State and LSU game and just as a constant reminder, playing in the background that any given Saturday, if you don't watch it, you're going to get smoked. So uh, I, I don't think I don't think Tennessee. I think they're. They're looking to rebound and build off a, a, a horrible – I mean, don't get me wrong, it, a, a win's a win. But there was a lot of mistakes, and I guarantee they corrected a lot of those uh, during film study and practice this week, and they'll be ready. And just like Mizzou, I, I think this is going to be a good game, and, and uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that if this line gets a little bit closer towards Saturday. All right, well, let's kick it over to Coach with Shane, talking about
3: Sean Robinson and his uh, debut there for Missouri. And the plans moving forward with the quarterbacks talks about his, he's never been to Neyland stadium, never even been to Knoxville. Mm. And then uh, on the improvements, he expects week two, the second week of the season, everyone expects that the coaching and just the players, everything to get better. So uh, coach kind of jumps into that as well.
5: Hey Eli, outside of um, some of the
2: negative plays we saw, just how do you think uh, Sean played and after
1: watching the film of his game?
9: negative plays are part of the plays as as a quarterback uh it's the holistic approach i mean it's well if you don't throw those this is a hypothetical but if you didn't throw those two interceptions you played a good game through those two interceptions so um you know i thought he showed some toughness he took some hits in the pocket and stayed in there um but again i think he had somewhere minus 40 minus 35 yards rushing um because of the sacks and and Negative plays and this, those just cannot happen, and those have to get corrected. And, and um, you know, those are part of the game, so there's really no, well, if you, you know, he played good, but I mean, you either played good or you didn't. And right now, we didn't, none of us, nobody played well enough to win, so we all got to improve. I didn't coach well enough to win, I didn't call plays well enough to win. And, and at the quarterback position, we have to improve.
3: Yeah, Eli, kind of touching on the quarterbacks like Dave did, um, do you ultimately want to get to a point where you're playing, like, one guy the entire game, or are you kind of okay with maybe having multiple guys taking meaningful snaps in a game for, like, the whole season?
9: I'm I'm comfortable playing multiple guys' meaningful snaps throughout the season. I just – I don't think this is going to be a typical season like we've ever had before. I mean, you look at the news today with the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings and the COVID stuff, and – Notre Dame's had a ton. I mean, we just don't know. Miami-Dade County spiked, you know. I mean, I just – I don't think we have enough data to think that we're going to be able to go through the entire season with one quarterback, and so.
2: Hey, Coach. Um, going to Tennessee, Neyland Stadium has more than 100,000, you know, fans usually, and the fact that that's going to be limited, do you do you feel like that's an advantage for you guys, getting to play there with uh, limited fans in row road
4: team?
9: I have no idea. I've never been to Neyland Stadium. I've never been to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, you know, that's the thing about football. Each week is a whole new set of challenges and, and uh, you know, you're going to have to really zone in and focus on what you can control. Uh, you know, anytime you go on the road, it's about your team and the energy you create, the focus that you have, the competitive fight that your team will put to, to all get on the same page and feed off each other's energy. So to me, whether excuse me, whether it's 100,000 people in the stands or whether there's 2,500 cardboard box cutouts. You know, it's going to be about our team and our energy and our focus and really doesn't have anything to do with them.
4: Yeah, good afternoon, Coach. Um, I know every year is
2: different, and uh, this one's certainly more unique than others, but can you talk about the type of improvements that you typically see just from your experience that you typically see in teams from week one to week two after they've had a chance to play a game?
9: Yeah, I think the tackling and uh, sustained blocking is usually number one. Clock management, uh, special teams is, is usually another area. And then the speed of the game, just getting understanding of the speed and what to expect on either side of the ball. You know, there's so many unknowns usually in that week one from what new schemes are they going to play to, um, you know, how do you physically match up. Um and I think that's usually what shows up, uh, speed of the game, tackling, fundamentals.
3: All right, Shane, so when this went live, I just tweeted out what Drinkwood said about Neyland and Knoxville, and my God, all <laughs> Twitter jumped all over that one. So, I mean, that that just added some fuel to this
5: fire we got going here. But thoughts on what he Coach never been to Knoxville, huh? Doesn't even know how loud it gets. You know, Mike, I ain't never been to Grand Canyon, but I can imagine how big it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, I ain't ever been to the Coliseum there in Rome, but I can imagine what it looks like just from the pictures I've seen online. So I don't know. I I, I would love to have a full kneeling. That would be fantastic. But obviously that's not going to happen this year. But uh, hopefully we can, with the, our allotment of what, 25,000 mm-hmm. people, you know, which I I I think people are lying, Mike, because I've seen a couple of these games, and it looks like it's a little bit more than one fourth. You know what I'm saying? I don't mm-hmm. know if somebody's leaving leaving a back gate open or something like that. So, well, some of these might take... be the cardboard cutouts. Who knows? It's kind of, those those <laughs> people they're they're kind of hard to make out sometimes. That's me, man. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna come in with one, you know, just like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm working here, guys. <laughs> so, uh, I may sneak in myself. So, I, I, I don't know. Create some noise. That we got to do that, uh, uh, you know, because that's one thing that 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 he hasn't faced right now. He's he's had a home field advantage. Uh, so this will be his first, you know. I mean, he went to South Carolina last year. I mean, obviously he's been to some loud stadiums before, but. Uh, this team, this ball club hasn't. uh, So I I think it's going to be good to make some noise and, and, uh, you know, make Neyland as rowdy as possible. All
3: right, Shane, let's uh, jump on down to the other Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina, where they're set to host the Gators this weekend. And Florida's coming off a uh, school record 642 yards of offense in an SEC game. Never done that before. 41st meeting in this series. Florida leads 28 to nine with three ties, but the series is tied at five-five the last ten years. Mm-hmm. But the Gators have have won two in a row in the series. South Carolina flag fans credit a lot of that to the refs last year. If you remember, this was the <laughs> controversial game, yeah, many yeah. many flags and miss flags and everything. But there's obviously a lot on the line here for Will Muschamp against uh, you know the Gators and you know they're big big underdogs at home and now we got you know fire mush champ was trending on saturday night even though they lost you know a game they were underdogs in and now they've got a hot florida team coming in here so i don't know what are your thoughts on this one going into it and um, you know can south carolina make this game competitive you know with a new quarterback and new coordinator and everything and certainly a lot going against the gamecocks heading into this matchup
5: absolutely man this is this is a sneaky good game every single year i mean just have you look i mean let me just take you back okay yeah last year was a little. It was eleven point game, but like you said, there was a lot of controversy in that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot. There was opportunities throughout that ball game for South Carolina to win. Extremely close game. Year before a four point game. Year before an eight point game. Thirteen point game. Ten point game. Uh, you know, it's just a couple scores every single year, and uh, I don't expect this one to be any different. You know, Florida, Flor Florida's high on the hog right now, buddy you know they're they're if if these boys are reading their clippings you know if they're if they're jumping on there to sec mike's articles you know what i'm saying (laughs) they they may say you know what we've made it we're at the top of this hill we're we're gonna be champs and south carolina you know they made a lot of mistakes last week and could easily be sitting there at one and oh and uh they th- some good things came out of that game against Tennessee and and I think they work on it I think if they if they got this uh, us against the world mentality and they get this locker room right don't don't be surprised if uh if they don't give Florida another run for their money you know last time I checked Mike Bobo I believe has
3: had a lot of success against Todd Grantham's defense in the past so that's mm-hmm. another little caveat here I mean it, it, it's kind of the same thing we're saying with a lot of these first-year coaches or first-year coordinators where, you know, they didn't get an extended offseason. We all know all that. But I think a lot of these units and some of these teams are going to get better as we get into the season because they're just lacking reps in the system right now. And yeah, uh, South Carolina, you know, the, the bright side for them, Colin Hill, who looked, you know, I thought for the most part outstanding against Tennessee, He's the experienced one. So you got, you know, the engineer of that offense, all the field knows what he's doing. it's just kind of the rest of the team's got to get on the same page as him and get up to speed quickly. And uh, last time I checked, you know, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts are getting all this Heisman buzz, but the defense played pretty poorly. Yeah. Now Ole Miss, you know, they did. They certainly we got to give them credit because I thought Kiffin and his players played really hard and. They had they threw all the kitchen sink at the Gators, so I don't want to disrespect uh, you know the effort they gave, but at the same time, if I'm Mike Bobo, I'm looking at this tape and saying, you know, I think we can have some success against this defense. Absolutely, we can work with this. All right, well, let's kick it over to Muschamp, who he talked about uh, getting more receivers involved in the game. They only had two receivers catch a pass against Tennessee. My God, he's already getting questions. Is Florida, the, are they the new LSU? <laughs> 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 On Colin Hill, what he brought uh, last week. And then uh, he also talks about Kyle Pitts, just the nightmare matchup he is.
7: Yeah, well, can you kind of describe the, uh, the the level of uh, the sense of emphasis this week, as far as getting more wideouts involved in the passing game, and I assume moving forward, you certainly don't want to see uh, that many targets to, to shy. I mean, you did a great job, but, but certainly you're going to need a few other guys to get involved.
6: Yeah, we need some more guys to step up, but you know, you got to win in man coverage in this league. We had some guys targeted, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and other opportunities, you can't create separation, it's hard to throw it to you. So we're not just going to throw the ball to a guy that can't get open. I mean, at the end of the day, we got to look at some other guys. Luke Doty's going to have some opportunities. And if they can't win in man coverage, it's hard to throw it to you. And we're going to see, going to see man coverage Saturday. We're going to see it for the rest of the year in our league. And that's just part of it, especially in those uh, deny the ball downs third and six or less. That's what you're going to see. And you've got to win versus man coverage. So we're continuing to, to, to rep those guys. So I felt like we did some decent things in training camp and was disappointed uh, outside of Xavier and, and shy at that position. So we got to get better.
2: People said that Florida is probably this year's uh, LSU team of last year. Have you seen any, after watching the film, any comparisons of that?
6: Well, I mean, again, I think they're very balanced in what they do. Dan's always going to have balance as far as the the run and pass game is, is concerned. There are some very difficult matchups. Uh, for you. You know, obviously Pitts is a matchup issue, how you're going to handle him, and they do a good job of moving around. Kadarius Tony's a matchup issue. Grimes is a big guy that's a physical receiver that can catch the 50-50 balls. Uh, so there's some, there's some skill issues that you've got to deal with schematically, and, and you've got a guy that can pull the trigger and make good decisions, which Kyle does that, uh, that does create some issues for you. Obviously, Saturday, they were really good. Uh, they really played well, and uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity.
3: After looking back at the film and even just watching Colin throughout
9: the game, what impressed you most about his ability to command the offense the way in which he did? I mean, to go down 21-7 to see him lead the team back. Anything stand out in your mind in the way he just led the team and kept the offense calm and moving forward?
6: I think he's got a very calm, cool demeanor. I saw that in training camp. Uh, he's got a, an air of confidence about him as a player uh, that I think uh, you know kind of permeates throughout our offense and our football team. I don't know that we ever had any panic at all at 21-7 that we were going to get back in the ball game and get some things going. I know Mike was very confident at halftime, um, you know, coming in at 14-7 and not a lot of good things happened for us after the first drive offensively. So, uh, was very confident we were going to be able to move the football. And I felt, you know, Colin uh, it certainly is an extension of Mike as far as those things are concerned.
7: Well, how big of an advantage is it for a team when they've got a tight end like Pitts, a guy that big, that fast, that big of a – of a, of a mismatch so many times. How big of an advantage is that? And his pits kind of evolved into one of the, the better pass-catching tight ends you've seen uh, over your years in the SEC. He is.
6: He is a, he's a very difficult guy to match up on. He's a threat in the middle of the field. He creates a lot of run-pass issues depending on how you want to defend him. Uh, if you want to get in a bunch of man coverage, you're going to create some 50-50 balls for him. And they've got other guys that can win in one-on-one coverage. If you want to play a lot of zone, Trask is extremely accurate in zone coverage. Uh, he completes a very high percentage in zone coverage, uh, and Pitts does a really good job of finding open spaces in zone. You got to be aware of where he is and understand where he is, and uh, and and make sure that you're capped on
3: him uh, in zone and
6: in man situations with the right guy.
3: All right, Shane. So now here's the issue with trying to defend Florida, though. I mean, Pitts is a Obviously, a huge issue. Scored four touchdowns against Ole Miss, but if you limit him, now you got to worry about Tony. You got to worry about Grimes and Copeland, and they yeah. got some talented running backs. So, you know that's the real secret there. It's not like it's just Pitts. He's he's getting so much attention. He's he deserves it. He had a hell of a game. But right, you know if you're Will Muschamp, what do you try to take away in this game? I guess I guess you tr- you
5: gotta try to take away Kyle Pitts. <laughs> That's it, man. Uh, you know you got to take out their best player and uh, not like physically, but just you know make sure that this guy's shadowed and, and covered constantly. I mean most champs no dummies a defensive minded coach yeah I, I, I you know you take their their best athlete out then you, and I can you can't really say that because I mean they that's one thing about Florida man. They've got a ton of athletes, and, and Coach just mentioned it. You know, Tony, the, the human joystick. You can't, you can't double up pits every time and just leave that little guy running around down underneath because <laughs> next thing you know, you're going to be watching the back of his jersey as he scampers to the end zone. So uh, they're going to have their hands full, Mike, but I think this is if, – if, if they want to run with Florida – I think they're going to have to do it on the opposite side of the ball. They're going to have to do it on offense. They're going to have to. One thing South Carolina did show last week is that they can be successful running. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they lost their best running back for the year, and that sucks. But I saw a couple of players step up last week that looked fantastic. They were able to move the chains, run that clock, you know? And as long as you can keep Florida Gators' uh, defense or offense off the field, the less points that they're going to be able to put on the, on the board, you know. Mm-hmm. And if the game comes down to it,
3: Champ, just give you some advice. Don't kick that field goal, baby. Go, go for <laughs> it. <laughs>
5: That's
0: right,
3: man. All right, let, let's kick it all down to uh, Gainesville. Where Dan Mullen spoke on, you uh, know, the struggles his defense had in the opener. On Kyle Pitts just being such a, a damn nightmare to match up with. On uh, Kyle Trask getting so much attention nationally now that he's had his sixth touchdown performance. You know, that's another thing we haven't really talked about. How does he respond to, you know, all this, all these accolades he's getting? And then on how he thinks South Carolina will try to defend his offense.
4: Yeah, uh
1: No, I, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of teachable moments. I think we'll be a lot better defensively come Saturday. Um, I, I think there's a lot you can see um, in what happened in that game and why we had some of our breakdowns. Uh, one, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from, from Ole Miss. I think, you know, obviously we, we, when we were down some players uh, in game one playing an extremely up-tempo offense, and they do a really good job of getting their playmakers the ball. You know, I mean, they've got they get a couple guys that are, can do stuff with it, and they, they do a good job of making scheming those guys uh, to make sure they get the ball. But I expect a much better defense. You know, I I think normally I think early in the season everyone's like, okay, the defenses are great and the offenses are going to take a little time to catch up. You know, I think when you when now when you eliminate spring ball, okay, when you eliminate the amount of tackling that you've done uh, in this time, you expand this long training camp with with the limitations that we had in it. Uh, I think it's, it's an advantage, poss- really, for the offense early. So I think that's what you're seeing. So I, I expect us to make a pretty big jump from week one to week two defensively with, uh, you know, really with, with tackling, with the effort, with running to the football, with communication and making sure we're fitting everything properly. Uh, I think all of those things, now that we're kind of in a game mode, uh, I expect us to be, uh, be much better defensively this week. Yeah, I, you know, it was um, – I don't know what created around it. We had it in there, uh, but we know he's a mismatch out there on the field. So, you know, you kind of – you kind of as you go pull different things and you're looking at your players, what do you expect to do well? Um, we looked at the tight end position, and we know we have some really good tight ends, not just him but the other ones that we feel comfortable with um, in the offense. And so, you know, it's a position when you have those guys that we want to try – that we think are big advantageous matchups for us uh, – we're going to try to use the, the part of the offense that's going to, you know, highlight them maybe more than other years. And, uh, um, you know, that's something we certainly spend a lot of time with in the offseason is making sure, um, you know, that we have enough ways that he's going to get the ball in his hands during the course of the game trying to create matchup problems for the defense. Dan, um, you know, Kyle's handled everything his it layoff it's in the last couple of years. And he two six touchdowns. People are done high school. This.
2: how, do you, how do you make sure you, and
1: keeps pushing obviously he's well i you know there's a lot of things he can get better at we went through on the film i don't know if he you know, if, if he likes the attention and the his name being on the ticker of ESPN and he likes that stuff, then keep doing what he's doing. If he doesn't go out throw three picks, they won't talk about him anymore. So, um, I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. I, I think, you know what, he's a guy that's worked really hard to put himself in this position. Uh, they, he's been on the big stage. It's not too big for him. And I think he understands. Um, and, and respects the position he's in and doesn't take it for granted. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I don't think you know he's going to look and say, hey, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know they'll have six touchdown passes every week. I, that'd be great if he does. And uh, But I, I think most importantly him is, is he's doing his job managing the, the game, making good decisions, putting us in the right plays, getting the ball out of his hands faster and being accurate. You know, that's the stuff that he worries about, just like – before, you know, I mean, he, he, he never came in and worried about being the starter. He wanted to be the starter, but he wasn't worried about it. He was worried about improving and getting better, and so now that he's the starter, I think uh, I expect more of the same from him, of just worried about improving and getting better. Well, I mean, you know they, they have some they, they have some length out there. They have some long corners and and some big safety. So uh, they're going to have probably some athletes that they can match up with them. You know, it's and you know they're big man. They like to play a lot of man coverage. So you're going to get those one-on-one matchups, and it's just about trying to create uh, the best matchup we can. I think they uh, they got a very talented front. You know, they they have some veteran guys uh, that are starters, and then some really, you know, bunch of five-star guys uh, that they've recruited over the last couple of years. So. Um, a very very talented front as well. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it'll be a big challenge. I mean, everyone every time it's this this game, uh, each of the last two years, has kind of come right down to the end, and uh, so we got to be ready to go play for play for four quarters.
3: All right, Shane. So, uh, everything Dan Mullen had to say there,
5: what kind of caught your attention the most? Uh, you know, just actually the the fact that and I know I've been saying it, but it, it hasn't really registered is, is how much better a lot of these sec defenses are going to look week two. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through a whole offseason because uh, you watched it in the NFL. A lot of these guys struggled week one on slowing down these offenses because they haven't been tackling people. They haven't been doing, you know? So uh, I, I think that we're going to see lower scoring games week two uh, and, and, you know, as high flying and, and great as uh, as uh, the Gators offense looked last week, it could be skewed because it was week one. So I think that was the biggest one that caught my eye. It wasn't just these teams in in uh, general, it was the entire SEC, I think takes a takes a step back next week because the Florida final or the defenses finally catch up to the offense a little bit.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I see what you're saying there. For me though, it's
3: it goes back to Kyle Trask. And not that I think he's just going to become overcome with all the pressure or anything, but hey, now he, you know, he's no longer the unknown. Yeah. He's no longer the underdog. He's shooting up these Heisman draft boards and everything. And I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how he handles it. And mm-hmm. again, not saying he won't be a hell. I've been saying all offseason, he's the best quarterback in the SEC. He went out there and proved it week one. But I think once Florida faces. Teams with a lot better defense. but I'm looking at Georgia specifically. You know, it's going to come down to how he manages that game more than anything because yeah. I don't know if Florida can run on an elite defense. Not saying they can't, but it remains to be seen. So, uh, how how does he shoulder the load here? And I think he's going to have to start showing me that this week against South Carolina on the road for the for uh, the second week in a row here. Or no, no, I'm sorry. At home for the first time. All right, Shane. Now let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge. Last matchup here to preview LSU and Vanderbilt. Go LSU's won eight in a row in the series, and of course they won last year. Somehow we got this matchup two years in a row thanks to the uh, 10-game SEC schedule. But <laughs> good news out of Baton Rouge. Derek Stingley back to practice already after being hospitalized. You know, uh, Friday evening and. All that went to that, and obviously they could have really used him against Mississippi State, and you know hopefully they don't even, they don't need him too much against Vanderbilt, but I think he's going to see the field. I think they got to got to get him into the lineup and just you know at least get him some snaps here. But uh, man, talk we we've, we've been talking about pressure on Georgia and and maybe a little bit on Kyle Trask, but all the pressure in the world right now has got to be on LSU because uh-huh. man, if they drop this one. Oh, my God, this is going to be a damn panic down here in Baton Rouge, isn't there?
5: Oh, yeah, somebody may get fired, Mike. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Bo. <laughs> yes, right, Bo knows. Uh, so, and his little rental down there in Baton Rouge. So, I, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right, Mike. I think uh, a lot of people are wanting to see how Coach O, you know, this is the first time he's had a have battle adversity in a while. So, uh, he's no stranger to it and you know you look at his track record there's been a few times he's folded to it so I, i'm just curious to see how this team bounces back and you know i know coach loves his team and and he's a fiery guy uh, i know bo pelini's a fiery guy i know a lot of people love him uh, probably in that locker room but I, I think it's gonna i think it's gonna like i said last or yesterday i think it's gonna come down to the athletes that are actually in the locker room it's gonna come up to those upperclassmen who's Who's the leaders on this team? Is it Stingley? You know the fact he was out that may have been something, but you know when he comes back this week, is he going to be able to fire those troops up and 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 show the conference that that LSU does have one of the best defenses in the country? Uh, you know they're they're young, they were they were out of sync, they were ill prepared. But uh, I, I think they have a shot to get back this week. So you know that us against the world mentality, man. Maybe maybe that's exa- this loss may have been exactly what they needed. So uh, I, I expect the Tigers to fire out. All right. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O, who talks about uh,
3: you know the lack of adjustments last week. Uh, one bright spot: the uh, former JUCO defensive lineman Allie Gay. I mean, he was outstanding against Mississippi State. He talks about Bo Pelini responding to that tough week and then hell he went his whole 30 minute presser and the last question the guy's like well hell I gotta ask a Vanderbilt one." I mean they're completely overlooking the Commodore so uh, yeah. Coach O talks up their defensive line a little bit here
8: You mentioned about uh, you know on, on Saturday that maybe you guys would need to play more zone I know you
3: said Derek Stingley may be back here I mean after watching the tape you know, what, what prevented some
8: of those in game adjustments there and do you expect any changes against
4: Vanderbilt there? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, all those Bulls decisions. We talked about it, and uh, you know, they were hitting us on some pick routes, some over routes. Uh, some of it was scheme. Uh, some of it, there's some kind of adjustments that we can do. Not necessarily play zone, but you can do some adjustments in man passing guys off, not passing guys off. We may do that. We may do that. May not do that. It all depends. Uh, you know, having Derek. Uh, not there really hurt us, uh, obviously, but I'm glad that he's healthy. Uh, his safety is of foremost importance to us. So I'm glad that he's healthy and he's okay. Number one, you know, Jay Ward uh, was out for practice two weeks. Uh, we didn't even think, know he could play. He played a lot of snaps. I thought he did a fairly good job, but obviously was uh, a little rusty there. So I think there's some combination of things that uh, we were short on corners, uh, not having Derek hurt us. Uh, we had a game plan that we were going to play man and man him up. And we thought we could man up with the receivers. We should have made a couple more adjustments during the game.
9: The pass rush, Ali, Gay seemed to step in well in
0: that uh, regard. Did y'all, y'all, you liked his range, but did you anticipate that kind of performance from him in
6: his first uh, SEC game?
4: You know, uh, we've, we have seen it in practice and Ali came. And just made, started making improvement every day. And I remember during the COVID, he didn't go home at all. He stayed here and, and, and learned and studied and worked out on his own. And, and we just saw in camp, he just kept on coming and coming and coming. And uh, I didn't know he was going to have that type of game. I thought he had an excellent game. Uh, he beat that tackle pretty good. He had a lot of, a lot of pressures, uh, some batted balls. He's tall. He played the run very well. I think he's going to have an excellent year for us.
7: Coach, you know, you mentioned on
2: Saturday how you know after the game, the next couple of days are going to be pretty important for you guys in terms of leadership and, and trying to move on to the next game. I'm wondering if you can kind of take us inside those meetings yesterday and today, and just kind of how the team is responding after you know your first loss is really in
4: two years. Yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, stick together, don't panic, and believe in each other. That's number one. That comes from me. And uh, we're not going to change anything drastically, but you know what? We got to tighten up on some stuff. We've got to play with more energy. We've got to play with more desire. We've got to make plays. We've got to coach better. All those things that, that slip up on you when, you when you're winning, you know, hey, the championship's over. And, uh, you know, And this, this, this is a new season, a new team. We knew that. But now definitely we know that. Uh, hopefully our guys can start from day one today, uh, focus in one game at a time at Vanderbilt. Here's my job, to get this team as well as we possibly can and the play of the LSU standard performance. And obviously Saturday night was a big disappointment to me and everybody else, and I understand that.
9: Hey, Coach Joe, Garland on Fox State, New Orleans. Um, I, I gather you don't have to do much motivating to the kids this week. It, it seems like everybody is now doubting them. Uh, huh. You know, talking about last year's a one-year kind of flash in the pan. What do you, what do you say to the kids uh, when they come into practice today? Yeah. Because uh, everybody now, you know, saying LSU is going to be down this year. Their defense is yeah. not up to par. Yeah. Right now, what is that going to be like for you?
4: You know, block out the noise. You know, my, my Twitter machine's off. You know, I hate to say it, garner, I don't get Fox 8 and Baton Rouge. I ain't watching. I ain't watching you no more. Hey, I I just got to focus in on the task at hand. Look, the game's over. Uh, the season last year is over. Uh, Whether they say one year, one, whatever, that don't bother me. I don't care. Uh, this is about our football team. And you know what? It's kind of good to bat down the hatches a little bit, tighten it down, turn the Twitter machine off, and really focus in on on beating Vanderbilt. And that's all we can do right now, and that's going to be the focus of our football team. The one thing I want our team to understand, now I told them in the locker room, when you win, I give you the credit. When we don't win, I take it. But it's my job to fix it. And I guarantee you this week, we're going to start fixing it.
2: You yeah, had to kind of bounce off that. It's your first kind of first post game week with Bo Pelini, I guess. What is what has he been like these past forty eight hours and what those that coaching has Been fantastic.
4: He was the first guy to come see me in my dressing room. First guy I said, "Coach, I, I, I should have done a better job." And he was hurt just like everybody else. And we went over the film, and he saw the things that he did well, saw the things that we must and will improve. He's been fantastic today. He's eager. He's an outstanding coach. He's hurt just like everybody else.
6: Uh, if we could have heard uh, you and coach Pliny are both similar, uh, your fiery nature. Uh, if we could have been a fly on the wall listening to him uh, in the last few days you know, in team meetings and coaches meetings, what's he been like compared to you? I'm sure you all are similar. Oh. And uh, Alec Gay, his, uh, his, his ceiling uh, performed very well on Saturday. A lot of people thought he was raw
5: when you signed it, but he looked outstanding yeah. on Saturday. Yeah,
4: you know, Bo gave great speeches on Friday night. Uh, he handles the defense. Uh, He's very emotional. You know, he's been a head coach. He knows how to talk to the football team. He had the guys motivated. Uh, You know, he's been very, um, uh, I want to say, not apologetic, not humble, but just, hey, you know what? Hey, I could have done better, coach. Uh, Very loyal. uh, It hurt, you know, hurt that he didn't do better. Hurt that the defense didn't do better, just like we all are. But, you know, I told him, hey, put it on me, we're going to get it fixed. Now, Ali Gay. Uh, like I say, Ali was wrong when came here, i got to give Bill Bush credit. Um, he recruited him just like he recruited Joe Burrow and, uh, and he believed that he could play. Bill Johnson went and watched him and I think it was one of Bill's first days. It might have been like 20 degrees up there or, or 10 degrees, it was cold as heck, but Bill came back and said, Ali runs well, let's take him and Ali game and it worked hard. I think he is going to be a high pick, first, second, third round pick. He's going to play in the NFL, he's got the size. Hopefully he stays for two years. Don't get too good.
9: Hey, Coach Bree Andrews from LSU Tiger TV. So, you said that you know, y'all have to create your own energy, especially with the loss of fans at the Vanderbilt game this week. Do you think this loss, having it be such a, you know, hurts this team, such a letdown after the great season we had last year, do you think this will kind of put a fire under this team? to create their own energy to kind of build them up for this game
4: coming up this weekend? Hey, can I get you to talk to my team today? I love it. Nice job. It should. It it puts a fire in me. I guarantee you that. And uh, we're going to have a fire, and this is a big game for us, and we're going to take it one at a time. And we're going to play with some fire, we're going to play with some energy, and that energy was not there for some reason. Uh, For some reason or another, it wasn't there, and that's, that's up to me to get that done. I'm going to have to take my mask off a little bit more to scream. I felt like I was a little muzzled in my mask there.
3: Hey, Coach. Uh, I guess I'll get in
2: one Vanderbilt question to kind of close this thing off. I mean, I guess, you know, they they, they they took, you know, Texas A&M to pretty great lengths last, you know, on Saturday. I was just curious just what the early scouting report has been on them, and just kind of how you guys are preparing for that game yeah. since they
9: really weren't on your schedule to prepare for.
4: Yeah, well, first of all, uh, Coach Mason is an excellent defensive guy. I've known him for a while. I used to study his stuff at Stanford. Uh, Kenichi Udizi, who coached the defensive line with me, who played defensive line, is now coaching their defensive line, and those guys are playing lights out. They're playing great technique. They're playing great defense. Uh, they have two of the best defensive linemen. Uh, one of them, one of the best linemen in the in the conference. Uh, they can rush the passer. So I think that's their strength. All
3: right, Shane. So Coach, Coach Hoke, you know he. Keep saying the right things here, but I'm kind of disturbed about what I'm hearing about Bo Pellini and just how great he is and how outstanding. I mean, I hope that's not what Coach O said behind closed doors. I hope he's ripping his shirt off and, you know, telling this guy to get with
5: the program here because it, they ain't getting it done. Well, Mike, Bo came in my dressing room and told me he's sorry. <laughs> you know, and I forgave him because he's fantastic. No, no, let's let's stop it right here. Bo, Bo, Bo was terrible, man. This defense was terrible. And, uh, that week, you know, you've, I know it's been a crazy off season, but you know, you can't say that because Mississippi state went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. A- and on top of that, they went through a whole new coach, a whole new offense. I mean, there, there was a lot more adjusting going on, uh, than, than just the LSU, uh, Tigers here. So I, I blame the coach. Coaching staff here. They they just weren't ready. I don't care how fired up his speech was on Friday. Them boys played like shit on Saturday. So Mm uh that's that that comes down to Coach O's shoulders. I I get it. You know, I love him. We've 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 touted him last year. Uh he had a fantastic run, but this is 2020. This is a new season. This is a new squad. You got young, you got uh amazing talent, man. Five-star talent all across the board, every position. You know, it's just making them play better as a team, and that's just something that the coaches didn't do week one, and I think they get right week two. All right, now, jumping to the other side of this, let's go to Nashville
3: real quick where – Make it down. Hey, good news, Shane. Vanderbilt's opening this bad boy up. Yeah. Letting that. fans into the stands. But they're doing – this is weird. They're doing senior students only, probably checking their GPA. Yeah. <laughs> At the door, make, you know, whoever's got the highest GPA, uh-huh. you get to sit closest. That's how I imagine it going. But, uh, you know, all jokes aside, we just completely, you know, I think the story overlooked how many, here. How many are they going to let in there? I think it's pretty limited, but okay. I don't know the official number. All they said was the senior, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But, you know, the thing we may be overlooking here with Vanderbilt, we've already talked about Ken Seals and how impressed he looked the first week, but... You know, everyone's looking at it like, hell, Texas A&M, what the hell's wrong with them? No one is saying, well, hell, maybe Vanderbilt's made some real strides here. I mean, Mm -hmm. they brought back everybody on defense. I thought their running game looked pretty solid at times last week. I I already mentioned Ken Seals. I got a lot of respect for Cam Johnson, the receiver. You know, maybe Coach Mason. He hired a coordinator from Appalachian State. He hired a, another coordinator from Louisiana Tech who's been one of the best programs in that league for the last couple of years. So who knows? I mean, maybe Vanderbilt here is one of the most improved teams in the SEC. Is, is there any chance we're just – I mean, we'll kind of find out here on Saturday, but is there any chance we're just completely overlooking the
5: progress they've made this offseason? Well, I think I think clearly we were a little bit there because – we didn't expect Texas AM to be a, a fight at all, but it was, and, and that was a lot to do with how great both sides of the ball did with what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. And and mainly at freshman at quarterback. I mean, Seals was fantastic. I I'm telling you there, he, there, he threw some balls that, uh, you know, we're, we're just talking about how great Kyle Trask was. I don't know if he could have threw that one there on the sideline. So uh, he just, he had, he had some great balls. Now he, he made a lot of, freshman mistakes too. and uh, you know, it ended up later costing them the game. but I think uh, I, like I said, this isn't a year you can sleep on any teams, you know, this isn't this isn't Murray State. This is uh vanderbilt has got some talent on that roster now, and uh, these boys know exactly what's expected of them because this is another year they've been in Mason System. so but uh, on the on the opposite side of the ball, Mike, you know, this is a uh, this could also be a statement game for Coach O to say, "Hey, buddy, we're back on it." You know, so um, I'd hate to be on the on the receiving end of uh, of the LSU Tigers this week. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that
3: is kind of dangerous. I was, as I was saying all that, I was kind of thinking that in the back of my mind too. So <laughs> uh, Vanderbilt's got to get ready for what's coming. And uh, yeah. Coach Mason talks about that getting you know having to face Derek Stingley and how he basically shuts down half the field when he's out there. Uh, on what he saw from LSU and that Mississippi State tape, kind of what stood out. And then, uh, you know, again, he's very complimentary of his quarterback, Ken Seals here. So let's kick it over to Coach.
7: Stingley. Stingley's one of the best corners in the country. Uh, man, we saw him a year ago. He's talented. Uh, you know, LSU is a talented football team, and they're well-coached. Coach Ogeron, uh, you know, is well-respected. I mean, I've known him for a long time and, and and have the utmost respect for who they are and what they do. Um They'll have their team ready to play. I know he didn't play a week ago, and, you know, that, that, that was a great loss for them because, uh, he, you know, he, he's a guy, man, who can guard, you know, his side of the field. Um, and, and he shows up in the return game when you talk about special teams. So um, he'll be back. You know, I mean, the thing that we got to do is, you know, focus on us. Uh, You know, LSU is going to come in here and they're going to play their game and we got to make sure, man, we play ours. So, I mean, it's about, again, it goes back to preparation, consistency, how hard we work and strain and practice and making sure, man, that our emphasis is on doing the things that we need to do in order to, you know, have success, move the ball, and uh, we're looking to, you know, work towards scoring points because that's what – that's what, uh, I this game's about. Coach, when you look
6: at the film from last week's game, LSU, He's one of the strangest stat lines with Mississippi State: 600 yards passing, 10 yards rushing. What can you take from that in preparation for what you guys do if
7: anything? Well, um, I, I, I know this much about Coach Leach. I faced him enough when I was out of Stanford, and and that's not a that's not a different stat, you know, for him. I mean, when you look at his career, uh, you know, rushing yards. Man, you know, what they do is throw the football. They major in throwing the football. So, um, I, I I think. Um, you know man, LSU, uh, you know man, probably you know went into that game having some understanding of that, but really you know man, had a chance to see it firsthand. And I think uh, man, it's about in-game adjustments, you know, and how you adjust and, and and what you do. And I thought you know man, for them, and I thought they played hard. Man, they gave themselves a chance. It's like anything in first games, man, things happen. And so uh, you know, looking at that, uh, you know, I looked at LSU. I mean, I thought I thought um, their run game, you know, started to show up. You know, midway through the second quarter, and and I thought they were you know a little more balanced. But once they got behind, I and mean, they had to throw the football probably a little more than they wanted to. So, you know, with that, uh, you look at an experienced quarterback, uh, man, who's been in who's been in that system, even with a new coordinator. I mean, it's still same system. Um, I, I I look at um, you know in mean, their receiving core, uh, I man. They've got they've got one veteran, but they've got some experienced guys. Uh, you know, out there, they got an experience running back. Um, you know, O-line is working the gel together. So when you look at it, uh, I think it was just the first game. And uh, the biggest improvement comes from game one to game two. LSU and Coach Ogeron will come in here ready to play. They'll be prepared. And what we've, what we've got to do is finish our preparation and make sure I mean, we line up and play football. that he could do through the runs? Well, in watching Ken play the game uh, in high school, I mean, he, he he threw from every platform that there was, uh, you know, whether it was pocket movement, you know, playing from the pocket, you know, a little zone read action. Uh, obviously, it's at the high school level, but what you saw on Saturday was what we saw of Ken coming out of high school, you know, uh, extremely accurate. Uh, you know, on the move as well as in the pocket. I mean, and those were the things that have shown up, you know, throughout camp. Um, And are there things that he still needs to improve on? Absolutely. But, um, you know, one of the the prerequisites for being, uh, you know, a good quarterback in this conference is that, man, you got to put the ball in catchable uh, positions, man. You got to make sure man you give guys an opportunity to make plays on the ball. And, uh, you know, he can do that. He can do it on the perimeter. He can do it from the pocket. And uh, I think as he continues to play, he's only going to get better. You know what? I I, I think his post game press conference, uh, um, you know, speech or talk, you know, I man spoke to it. You know, we we he wants he wants to win. Okay, man, it's about improvement. I mean, there are no moral victories in this. Uh, you know, I man, for him and he knows and understands. You know, playing in this conference, man, there's a lot of expectations on the position. Um, I think as he got back and he had a chance to watch the film, uh, you know, I mean, he learned a lot from that first game. You know things about you know situational ball, uh, you know, man, and what we can do to make sure that we can maximize red zone opportunities, and that's and that's a growth process. But I think it helps having a guy like Kyle Shermer, okay, and Quinshawn Odum, uh, you know, been standing, uh, you know, men next to you, or being able to bounce some stuff off of, you know, man, in terms of okay, Kyle, how did you handle this, or you know, Q, like what did you see? Uh, I I think those three guys along with Coach Fitch have done a terrific job of developing all our quarterbacks. And I think, you know, man, the confidence, you know, man, to grow, uh, you know, man, comes from the idea, man, that he wants to compete and win.
3: All right, Chase. So, I mean, this, you know, we just talked about LSU having something to prove. This is a game where we just saw LSU secondary give up damn near 700 yards of passing. (laughs) So Ken Seal's got to be looking at his chops wondering what he can do and, uh, he, you know, he's certainly not going to throw for 623 like KJ Costello, but I don't know. I mean, this is a good opportunity, I think, for
5: him to keep this momentum going here. Yeah, I think – well, I, I don't think you could rule it out either. Uh, I, I think anybody that watched that game last week realized that, you know, you can throw on LSU. Right. And uh, I, if, if if you know, coach wants to cut them loose, they can't because – like I said, he made some great passes last week, and uh, he's he's definitely got the arm for it. So, but I don't think that's in uh, Mason's wheelhouse. I think he likes to slow games down and keep them close, and you know, uh, try to win with that defense. But we'll we'll see, brother. But like, I just I don't man. I'm just I'm worried about him because, like I said, I just think that I think the Tigers are going to be they're going to be so damn mad that they want to they they want to break records. Man, they had a record. That's been around forever. Just break on them last week. I mean, I'm seeing these little SEC spoof videos come out and everything. You know what I'm saying? They're right. making fun of the national champs last year. So, yeah, I mean, Coach O's freaking – he's running right now. You he's know? got the Twitter care. machine turned off. Yeah, he's got the Twitter machine. He is running through Baton Rouge without a shirt. I don't care what time you listen to this pod because he's still running that's how angry he is so he's gonna he's he wants to whoop some ass man so yeah i'm i'm worried for vanderbilt all right jay well that's all i
3: got on this episode you got anything else before we hop off here
5: well uh a lot of folks probably wondered where the big three is and uh this show we knew was going to be a little bit longer so we pushed it off for tomorrow uh, and then uh so we'll have that. That's that's the big three. That's the NFL players. We had a great weekend. A uh, lot, of, lot of great SEC talent being played uh, and showcased. Man, I'm telling you, it was fantastic. So we're going to do that tomorrow. Uh, but if you got yourselves an uh, Apple product, iPhone, iPad, whatever eyes they got out there, if you can get on there and give us a five-star rating, uh on your twitter machines that help us out a whole lot uh remember if you get a five-star review in if you'll just take a screenshot of it send it to that sec podcast at gmail.com mike will send you a koozie of your choice and that's uh, the least we could do for the efforts you put in to help us out absolutely we got uh, those mailing those out
3: on a daily basis people breaking this uh, damn email account i'm getting so many emails so get those in while you can get yourself a koozie we really do appreciate each and every one of y'all for going that extra step we don't ask for much but that's that is one thing we do
5: ask for so <laughs> absolutely all right i'm so gonna I- ask for another beer man because this one was not good <laughs> just throwing that out there sorry i know i know i suck at it i am have to go back to the bullet man so but that's all i got Mike. i, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us uh man Soak it up. We're, we're, you know, 10% through the season. So we've still got some more football to go, but man, these Saturdays are going to start going by quick here after a while.
3: Absolutely. This is the best time of year. So soak it in, enjoy it while we got it. That's Mm -hmm. all I got, buddy. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.